Cool, Cam. <clears throat> Welcome to the Catholic Libertarian Book Club. Today I am with Brian Nichols. He wrote an ebook. So, uh, Brian, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell a bit about the book. Awesome. Caleb, thank you so much. I appreciate the chance to, uh, to speak to you and to your audience today. And yes, the, uh, the book is four easy steps you can implement now to help sell liberty to friends and family. Uh, I myself am uh, the host of The Brian Nichols Show, which is a part of the We Are Libertarians Network, uh, where I focus on bringing years of political experience, but also my years of experience in the telecommunications and cybersecurity industry as a sales executive, where not only have I gone ahead and, and actually helped build these solutions to help uh, strategically plan for the future for a variety of different companies, but also leading sales teams uh, and bringing that to the liberty world, showing how we can help really bring liberty to people by solving the problems they see around them, offering solutions to those problems. And the solutions-based selling approach is the, uh, the approach I've seen work in the, the private sector. And now we're going to bring it to the liberty world. We're going to make some, uh, some things happen in terms of actually making some substantive policy changes, helping make people's lives substantially better. Uh, and it starts with asking better questions, which actually is the first part of the book, uh, yes, the new ebook, which is free, as you mentioned. So it's a, a free resource for anybody to go ahead and take advantage of. It's a good, and it's a good ebook. I read it, uh, read it yesterday and read it again today. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Eight pages, Thank just you. the right length, so it's fine. Uh, the asking asking question part uh, was very important, I think. A lot of people, I think most libertarians are autistic. Uh, we very often just start screaming at people, our solutions. And it's like, they didn't even notice the problem yet. Like you can't start yelling about how we're gonna end the Fed when no one knows what the Fed is. <laughs> You know, right. So, well, not only um, that, not just not knowing the Fed, but also mm -hmm. we have to make sure that they see the problem that the Fed is causing in mm -hmm. their own lives. And we have to make sure that when we're talking to them, it's a top of mind issue for them in order to get. And this is the reality, Caleb, in order to get through the clutter of the world, we have to be talking about the issues to our prospect that are mattering specifically to them, the things mm -hmm. that they can see right there in their immediate lives that are problems. And when we can start to, number one, enter into those conversations that they're already having in their own mind, quite literally meeting them where they're at, and then hearing those problems, that's when we have the opportunity. And, and only then do we have the opportunity to start asking those discovery, more probing questions mm -hmm. to learn more about those pain points, to trace the history and to learn, maybe we can start to figure out what we can do in terms of offering solutions. And there might be a, a, a realization that this person isn't our market, and that's okay. Don't try to fit a square mm -hmm. peg through a round hole. Yeah. Now, that's something, uh, as someone who's cast, like I do a lot with apologetics, and there's a lot of lessons apologetics have about meeting where they're at, leaving the door open, uh, figuring out where the pain points are. And I think there's something that apologetics, being a, sale, being a salesman, really does bring a whole new perspective. Uh, most people are missing out when it tries to sell liberty. Uh, H.L. Mencken had this uh, quote, people don't want freedom, they want security. And I think you find a pain point, actually tell them, hey, you think you're safe, you're we're not as safe as you think we are, is the avenue I've taken, where it's like, oh, please keep us safe. And it's like, well, civil asset for so They really don't. Yeah, well, and, and, and here's a, a reality in sales, is that when you're selling, 90% of the time, people are more concerned about what it is that's going to keep them safe than the, the better future. That's just a sad reality of how our human brain works. But instead of trying to fight this reality, we have to understand it and instead be able to make sure our messaging reflects that. So when 
we're going out and we're selling our ideas of liberty, you do have to first really know, number one, know who it is that you're targeting. And that means if you're going to be going after a certain group of people, we're going to call that your vertical. Um, so let's say you wanted to go uh, after mo moms or, or, or parents in general uh, of students who are currently in public schooling systems. But then you want to go right to your buyer persona, the specific person that you're trying to make your pitch to. And that's where you have to make sure that you're tailoring your message to that person and the, the underlying uh, insecurities that they have. How can your solution help address those problems? Now, once we're able to start to say, you know, instead of saying, you know, hey, you want your kid to have great education, right? Everybody's gonna say, of course, that's a, it's a mm -hmm. nonsensical answer, but you don't want your kid to have a bad education, do you? That's a different conversation. Now, all mm. of a sudden, your, your defense mechanisms are up. No, of course I don't want my kid. Is that happening now? Wait, what? And then you start to be able to start, well, peeling the onion back, Caleb. That's where mm. we can start to uncover more of those problems. And then once we trace back where those problems have come from, we kind of go through the, the buying cycle of how we've gotten to where we are today. Then we can segue instantly into our solution. And once we are able to show value, and I think that's the, the other part that it's important for the greater liberty world to remember is that we have to be able to instill value, not because we see the value that it, it's going to bring forth, but that the person we're talking to sees value. And if we're not able to communicate that, I mean, Caleb, if, if you were to do 50 phone calls and I were to do 50 phone calls and messaging didn't matter, guess what? We would both book the same number of appointments every single time, but we know for a fact that's not what happens. We see that in sales. You have your top 10% of people who are going to do absolutely phenomenal. You're going to have your bottom 10% who are the ones always dragging up the bottom. And then you have your 80% in the middle who are just your average everyday type of salesperson, average everyday type of uh, individual in the workplace. They do their job, they hit their number, and they go home. And that's okay. But if you want to be the top net top 10%, it starts by asking those better questions, really digging deeper, knowing who it is that you're talking to and addressing those real pain points. That's where you're going to have the most success. Do you think there is a possible downside to going at it from a uh, negative perspective, in a sense, instead of asking someone, do you want better education? You're saying, uh, are your kids getting a good education? Do you think there is a downside to being to seeking the pain points and really showing people the find the pain points, showing people what's wrong is the downside of being in the what's the risk of coming off as a cynic when you uh, come? <laughs> well, at it's this, not you coming know? off as a cynic. It's more so um, you're you're trying to take somebody and move them from where they are to where they need mm -hmm. to be, right? So when we're going in sales, we call this disrupting the status quo. Uh, mm -hmm. When you're looking at your incumbent vendors in sales, nine times out of ten, there's a reason that that incumbent vendor is there. Either they a help solve the problem before. B, they were the lowest cost in town. So they, they were able to justify their, their services at a lower cost based on what the, the uh, person was able to, to go ahead and say, yeah, I guess I can sign the check for this. Um, or there's something beyond that, something political. Somebody knows somebody, you know, the CEO is best friends with the sales guys, why, whatever it may be, you'll see those kind of relationships as well. So as an inc incoming sales guy, I have to know the problems that are likely not being addressed by the incumbent vendor. So we have to, in order to be even heard, make sure that we're standing out and are appearing different than those existing vendors. In this case, who are the existing incumbent vendors? The Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Now, 
is that not to say that each one can do a certain thing good here and there? No, of course. You'll see that even in the greater telecommunications world, you'll see these massive, what we call uh, LEX, LECs, and the local exchange carriers who have been there for generations at this point. Yeah, they're super, super expensive, but they can go ahead and lay a big, dumb internet pipe all day long, and they're going to do it well. But at the end of the day, how can we go ahead and show value? How can we be different? It has to be us identifying areas where there are things that aren't being addressed. And with those things not being addressed, there's areas of opportunity that are being missed out on to do better, which means while everybody else might be taking advantage of, of those different opportunities, all of a sudden you're doing worse off relative to everybody else. So we have to make sure we're raising awareness to that because then that's going to drive the behavior. It's going to drive the incentive structure for them to want to learn more, it's for us to actually peak interest and for them to, to say, yes, I would love to learn more about your solution. Can you tell me more? The book is called uh, Four Easy Steps. If you had to add a fifth step, what would it be? The fifth step would be consistency and following up. Um, you'll see this way too often where sales folks will, will make the sale, I'll be, they'll get their commission check. In this case, we'll see that they'll get their vote and then they're gone. The salesperson's gone on to the next sale. Uh, you need to maintain the, the long-term relationship. You have to be able to invest in networking, invest in the infinite sale. If you're going to be only focusing on that transaction, that one-time sale, you're going to be uh, just constantly chasing your tail. You have to be building those, those networks of people who are going to become raving super fans. So this is also why uh, back in, in April, when the show took a, a transition adding video and also incorporating the marketing element with Chris Goizetta, um, that, that we took that change because marketing is just as important as sales in terms of actually bringing the customer experience full circle. Because once you go ahead and you solve that problem, and you become that trusted advisor, now it's on you to make them raving super fans, to basically do your marketing for you. And if you can do that time and again by entering into the conversations they're having consistently and consistently adding value, then you'll make sure that you are staying top of mind. They will go out, they will refer people towards you and you will build that super fan who will, basically their job is to put your marketing department out of business. That's the goal of the super fan and you get the super fan by offering that stellar stellar value by being consistent and being engaged and building that constant relationship instead of having that one time okay we got our vote we got the sale that's it not going to talk to that person again now that mm -hmm. person feels lost they, they they gave you not just the sale they gave you their trust and you just abandoned them and and now somebody else is going to be out there and saying well look at that incumbent vendor that you gave your, your, your vote to last time. They left you high and dry after they, mm. they, you took their vote. And guess what? They didn't even win. <laughs> How about that? So now it's even worse off because they're going to look at you with skepticism in the future. Mm. I gave you my vote last time. And then what happened? Not only did you not win, I never heard from you again. So why, why were your ideas really that great? We have to make sure we're, we're adding that extra value. Now, granted, this is the, the, the book was focused on starting the conversation, the easy steps to implement now. And that, I think that's also the part I think people need to remember is we want to, we want to offer the solutions. Everybody wants to offer the solutions, but you have to do the first three parts of the, the, uh, the, the book first in the four easy steps before you get to offering the solutions, you have to, to ask the questions, you have to 
uncover and, and peak interest, right? You have to, to peel back that onion before you feel that you have the answers because you might be offering a solution to a problem they don't have. They might have a glaring need that's right there in front of you. And all you have to do, ask the question. And guess what? People will tell you when they have problems. And mm -hmm. I, I, we always joke with each other, you know, oh, how are things going? Ah, oh, man, you know, I hear about it. Yeah, even if it did, yeah, you, you'll joke. But that's true because people do have problems. So let them tell you your problems. And then it gives you the opportunity to start to offer that solution. Only then though, only then do we have that right. Very good advice. Very good advice. Um, on a local level, mm -hmm. how would you suppose how would you suppose an individual find the pain points? You know, like they look around the neighborhood, they look around the city, and they're trying to get votes for the local candidates. How would you how do you suppose they go about finding their local pain points of their uh, area? I'll give you a real life example, and it, it comes through the version of a story. So strap in, if you will, Caleb. So back here about a year and a half ago, we all went through this little strange thing called the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And with that, we saw ensuing government lockdowns across the, uh, the globe. I'm up here in the Northeast in the, uh, the city of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. And I watched, you know, the entire city shut down, but also you watch as the inherent inefficiencies in government monopolies just become ever so apparent. So I watched as the shared access point behind my home just started to fill with mounds and mounds of garbage because we went not one, not two, not three, six weeks, Caleb, with no garbage collection whatsoever because the, the city couldn't figure out how to operate a sanitation schedule to accommodate the new COVID-19 pandemic restrictions. So now you have piles of garbage, just, just mounds in the back access points. You have rodents running rampant. It's starting to smell disgusting. Of course, we're at the peak of the summer last year as you're watching this happen. So right there, you have a main issue that not just I was experiencing, but everybody in the greater city of Philadelphia. I actually raised this up over my program, The Brian Nichols Show, back when this took place, because I said, this is a real life example of something that's happening now that if somebody were to run for office in Pennsylvania or in Philadelphia, rather, run on this, let this be one of those top of mind issues. You see candidates far too often. And I saw this back when I worked campaigns. And I even see this when I do some consulting for business owners. They're trying to talk about the sales. And I'll, I'll say, okay, let's, let's sit down. Let's talk about what is your, your product? What is your solution? What does your service do for the customer? What does it do well? And they'll go through, Caleb, they'll give a list of like 20 different things. Or if it's a candidate, they'll give you a list of you know 20 different topics that they're passionate about. And I just like, I, I have to laugh. And I'm like, all right, so we're going to take that and we're going to get that down to like one or two. Because at the end of the day, we need to focus on those one or two issues that the most uh, average person is going to care about. That, that mm -hmm. we need to make sure they see the value in you bringing your solutions to the table to address this top of mind issue. So I would, I would say when you're looking at the local opportunities that you have around you, look right now, no further than school choice. School choice is one of the top issues that not only are parents entering into the conversation, but across the country, we're seeing, you know, from, from federal to state to local level, this is a top of mind issue. So if you want to get involved and have a Liberty solution at the table, go to your school board meetings, get involved with your PTAs, 
talk to your parents that are part of the school district outside of the, the school infrastructure, make phone calls, actually build relationships with other parents and try and see how you can start to offer a solution to the problems that you are starting to identify across the board. And then once you have earned that trust, and, and this is the reality of sales as well, people will work with people who they know, like, and trust. You need to make sure that they know you, they like you, and that they trust you. And that's the thing right now that libertarians forget. People don't trust us. We have not had the chance to earn their trust by actually winning elections and putting liberty-based mm -hmm. solutions into policy. And that's why I do my Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. And I know Spike Cohen over on Muddied Waters, he does his, um, his Culture of Winning uh, episodes where we're focusing on not only the candidates who are running, bringing solutions to their areas, but then in Spike's case, highlighting when they have one and the outcomes of those solutions. That's why it's important not only to, to build that trust and offer those solutions, but then to tell those stories, telling stories. People don't buy facts or figures. People mm -hmm. buy stories. People want to hear that you've been able to hear a problem or see a problem, identify it, and then offer a solution that has helped people just like them. And once we're able to show that, that is the underlying foundations of starting off to build a good level of trust. And that's where we need to start off is building that level of trust at the very least. I have a little game I want to play here. Let's do, do a, uh, let's do a mock games. phone call. Let's do a mock okay. phone call. You call me, I'm going to be some uh, uninformed voter on, you, you pick the topic, you know, uninformed voter. Sell me on Liberty and a phone call. Okay, just, absolutely. I'm calling, from, how about this? I'm going to call from the Brian Nichols show. I'm trying to do voter outreach and uh, I'm going to show you an example of how I do that. So, hi, is this Caleb? Uh, yes, sir. This is him. Hey, Caleb, it's Brian Nichols calling from the Brian Nichols Show. Did I catch you at a good time? Yes, um, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything. Go ahead. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, Caleb, uh, reason for my call today, I've been actually speaking to a lot of voters actually right in your area. And one of the things we've been talking about have been a lot of the top of mind issues. I know number one issue right now I've been hearing from a lot of uh, voters is school choice, uh, but also the pandemic as well as uh, the ensuing government lockdowns. So what I wanted to do is uh, just ask you a few quick questions, maybe see uh, if it makes sense to have a quick conversation to uh, maybe see if you might want to uh, learn a little, more, a little bit more about the Brian Nichols show. Go right ahead. I got nothing else going on. Oh, great. So so really quick, uh, first and foremost, I know I mentioned those uh, those first initial uh, top of mind issues that I've been hearing. Is, is that something you've also been experiencing on your end? Yes, sir, it is. It is. Uh, tell me more about lockdown. that. With COVID lockdowns, you know, the trash doesn't go on by. You can't go to the park to the walkout. The gyms are closed. You know, we're still, the schools are shut down. We're still paying for them out of our property taxes. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's frustrating to not have the money to, uh, you know, go to work and also not still have your money be robbed from you when you're trying to pay tax, just pay for school. You know, yeah. they need to open those schools back up and get the kids back into school or find a better option. Yeah, no. Well, and and here's uh, here's the, the thing, too, which is funny, Caleb, is that not only am I hearing about this from from people just like you, but I'm also I'm hearing this across the country right now. This is like a top of mind issue and people are really they're angry. Um, They're looking for for solutions. So, I mean, one thing that I've been doing uh, here over on. So I have run a, a network, the Brian Nichols show. We've been having conversations uh, with, in this case, specifically people who are advocating for school choice and showing how to get school choice policy into action, actually to talk about specifically what you're saying, get the money so it's following the kids instead of these institutions. Um, do you think that that would maybe be something you want to learn a little bit more about? Absolutely. 
Cool. So how about this? Um, what's your best email? I'll just go ahead. I'm going to fire over a quick email. It's a more intro to uh, my show, but what I'll do is I'll send over. I have a conversation I had with Corey DeAngelis. He's one of the top voices in school choice where we dig into this to start off. And then what we can do is uh, maybe go into a quick one-on-one -on -one email from there. Does that sound fair? Sounds good to me. Boom. That's is that, And that's how you good. would do it. You, what you'd want to do is you, and here's the thing. We could have gone in. I could have started talking about the Fed. Could have started talking about the nap, libertarian <laughs> principles, right? But mm -hmm. as soon as I start talking about those things, you're 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 done. You're you're not paying attention because number one, you know you're trying like I'm trying to sell to you, but number two, I'm not talking about anything you care about. It's stuff that I mm -hmm. care about. So that's why I want to make sure that I heard what you were concerned about. Now I raised up issues that I think you might be concerned about based on who you are, where you are, and you know, just guessing some of those things. But it's also why we want to make sure you know who you're talking to, to know your audience, to understand that buyer persona. Um, so how, what'd you think? Was that a, a good example? That was great. That was great. I hope you've watched this, can learn from that and um, make local change. You know, That's right. this, is, this is great. That was a lot of fun. So you had, you had Corey Diego. Oh, yeah, I was going to last name. Corey D. Um, Corey D. Ah, lucky. I love that dude. I love he's awesome. He's, yes. he's fantastic. It's good. No, school choice is probably, I would say, one of the most important issues people in it. Everyone loves kids. And, and this, you bring up, they can't go to school or you bring up the um, school choice. Or the, people love kids. People hate getting robbed. So school choice is an obvious solution. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, uh, Caleb, when we talk about school choice, and I'll, I'll actually look at this as an issue specifically. So um, there's a gentleman named Philip Stutz. He's a top marketer in the greater political world. And he has a, a book that just came out a couple uh, couple months ago called The Undefeated Marketing System. And in that book, he tells a story back when he was doing uh, consulting for uh, campaigns. And in this case, it was the 2018 governor race for uh, Florida down. It, it was Governor Ron DeSantis versus uh, Andrew Gillum. And at the time, uh, it was a, a toss up. It was really neck and neck who was going to win this election. And what they found was the top of mind issue in their research for Florida, specifically for their target market, in this case, those active voters who were undecided was school choice. So what they did was they just started to hammer that issue of school choice. They, they you know, focused entirely how negative the implications of school choice were going to the point I was referring to earlier. They actually did ads, Caleb, where they would take a kid and it would be the parent dropping the kid off at the private school or the charter school and the parent telling the kid under Andrew Gillum's proposed legislation, this you're going to have to leave this school and all your friends and the kid, the crocodile tears. And you see what happened. Not only did they start to uh, have this entire marketplace flooded with the anti-Gillum, anti-choice uh, narrative, but that, that um, marketing approach hitting this, this top of mind issue not only pushed and uh, Ron DeSantis over the top, but they looked at the data and it was exclusively from the people they were targeting, the people with top of mind issues that were undecided, specifically school choice. They went after those voters who were going to be entering into the, the voting booth with that as top of mind. And maybe they weren't being talked to. Andrew Gillum really hadn't made a point of his campaign to talk about school choice because he was not in favor of it. So he just didn't even make it an issue. 
And instead, that's why it's important for us to make sure we are setting the narratives. That's why what Corey DeAngelis has done has been so successful mm-hmm. because instead of the argument of, oh, you don't want to help our kids, what's he always say, Caleb? Fund students, not institutions. It destroys mm-hmm. the entire objection from the onset because now that entire narrative is entirely gone. Why? Because Corey set the narrative. That's a, a perfect case study of how that works. Well, we're running out of time. This has been a lot of fun. Uh, I have two more questions for you. Let's do it. One, if you could recommend a, a book or a video on sales or besides your own on sales and uh, give people kind of an intro into sales, what would it be? Any videos or books? Okay. I'm going to do one better for you. Okay. It's a podcast because much like my Yours? program, it's not, I promise. <laughs> Um, much like my program, I, I say I try to have on experts from across the, the fields of industry, whether it's economists, whether it's scientists, entrepreneurs, politicians, so on and so forth. Because at the end of the day, Caleb, believe it or not, I don't know everything. And this is why I love this sales podcast. It's called the salesman.org, sale, the salesman uh, podcast. And, and literally all it is, is a gentleman named Will Barron. He's a, a sales guy over in the United Kingdom having on expert, uh, expert voices um, from their different fields of, of study, uh, you know, folks from telecom, folks from technology, from selling AI um, to you know, selling B2B, name it, um, B2C, uh, business consumer. Um, and it's, it's a great way to not only see what's worked for other people, but in specific verticals and the types of solutions that they have sold. And one of the things that has also been a very exciting thing to hear is that there is a reoccurring theme I'm hearing of understanding of incentive structures, the the value of understanding that with more money comes more freedom. And you hear this across the board with these conversations with noted sales executives, which has also led to why I'm doing this in my show, building more of that, that audience itself and having that as a part of my target audience, because I think that's going to be a key to success for not only the Libertarian Party, but the greater liberty movement is to reach those people who are more of our 70, 80, 90 percent ally than trying to, again, go back and fit those uh, square peg through round hole, going after the people who are 20 percent, 30 percent ally. Let's invest that time, energy and effort in those more successful ways. So I would say Will Barron, the Salesman podcast over at salesman.org. Wonderful, wonderful. I actually forgot what the second question was. So I'm Sorry, gonna... I talk a lot. My bad, bud. No, it's all good. It's, all good. it's been a lot of it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. I hope people watching this learn a lot and uh, go out, be better libertarians, and be better salesmen. This has been the Caleb Bla- uh, Catholic Libertarian Podcast. Uh, Brian, where can people find you at? Absolutely. Thanks, Caleb. This is a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for for having me on. You can find me over at the Brian Nichols Show, which is a part again of the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find me at briannicholsshow.com, at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. If you want to get this awesome free ebook that Caleb was mentioning, four easy steps you can implement now to sell liberty to friends and family. It is free. Find it at briannicholsshow.com forward slash liberty friends ebook. Thank you so much, Caleb. It was a blast, my friend. It's been a lot of fun. Okay, everybody, have a good night.